People are stupid. Live to tape. Welcome to Millennial 534. I'm Andrew. I'm Laura. I'm Pamela. And we're joined by one of our bays today, Jonathan. Hey, Jonathan. Hey, what's up? Not much. Tell us about yourself. You're down in Texas, right? <laughs> yes. Um, I was born in the Philippines and then immigrated to Texas as soon as I could get here. Not by choice, I guess, but... <laughs> I, <ended laughs> I was going to say, why did you rush? <laughs> so how long have you been in America now? Since 96, so over 20 years. 29 23 nearly your whole life i would assume yeah i moved here when i was in the first grade so are you wishing you could move back now that uh trump's in office uh i don't know about moving back but definitely considering moving other places (laughs) yeah yeah (laughs) you're in good company yeah no i definitely hear that (laughs) one thing we wanted to talk about with you today were misconceptions about texas because we hear you know everything's bigger in texas it's a lot of Republicans. There's the cowboy culture. What are the biggest misconceptions? Well, yeah, the first thing definitely is the cowboy culture. I mean, for the most part, I feel like stereotypes exist and some people either lean into it or try to stay away from it. But for the most part, the friends I know, friends I have don't really lean into that. But you definitely get like, particularly here in Fort Worth, definitely people who lean into it you know they're always in their get up they have they iron there's this man i used to work with he ironed his jeans so that there's a crease in the middle like very texan and then wore boots every day like when i go to work i'm in slacks and you know nice shoes but some people wear boots every day and just very cowboy culture but like i said not everyone's like that (laughs) have you ever been tempted to dress up like a cowboy just for the hell of it yeah, so like in college, we'd have like formal activities or formal, like, uh, I wouldn't say a dance, but just formal gatherings. And I guess a formal outfit that people would wear is like a suit with cowboy boots. And I'd never seen that before mm-hmm. until I got to college. But then I tried it. It was kind of fun. I've always wanted to be a cowboy. Do you think I could fit in as a cowboy down there? I mean, maybe. You just had to dress apart, right? <laughs> I got to talk like it, too. And I got to walk around with my weapon. Yes. And then there's people, yeah, people talk like that too. And they don't understand that they're, they sound different. <laughs> Andrew, wasn't it in Texas where you and a friend of ours went into a gas station? Our friend was wearing an equality shirt and the gas station attendant looked at you and was like, that's not a lady. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy. That sounds like something that would have happened. I'm so. <laughs> 90% certain that happened to you. Actually, we did meet Jonathan a long time ago on that imprint tour where that happened. Yeah. What was that show, Jonathan? Do you remember? That was in Allen, Texas, which is DFW, I guess. Yeah. What is the everything's bigger thing? How the hell did that start? And like, what? why is it a thing? I, I think like the biggest example I have was when I went to Wendy's, like not in Texas, and I ordered a medium drink, which to me is... I know what it looks like, I guess, when I ordered it in Texas. But when I went to, I guess it was in California, it was not the same size. Really? Yeah, it was smaller. Huh. 
but it would huh. it would be like what you expect to be a medium drink i guess but you know i assumed oh it's right. a wendy's and i go there all the time i think it's going to be this size but it was different it was definitely smaller than i would normally get i didn't realize crossing state boundaries would have <laughs> such a big difference at wendy's like when you go to a fast food place over in europe those sizes are smaller you look at the large and you're like wait what that's a small to me in america <laughs> i didn't know that you're even bigger in texas versus the rest of america i went to the movies the other day and i got a medium drink i'm always shocked by this i don't know why it shocks me every time but they gave me what i could only describe as a small bucket <laughs> to put my drink in sounds about right yeah and I was like, oh, this is, I guess this is why it's so expensive. Yeah. On the other hand, it's nice because if you're going to sit and watch a movie for two and a half hours, you want to make sure you have enough. Yeah, but if you have too much, you'll have to use the bathroom. Yeah, that's the problem. Mm-hmm. Then you wear a diaper. <laughs> <laughs> I've done that multiple times. I anyway, John, don't know if you're joking or not. Yeah, well, you can continue wondering. (laughs) Anyway, Jonathan, it's nice to have you on. And later in the show, we're going to be talking about the environment. And you actually have a job dealing with the environment. So we'll uh, hear more from you about what you do. And I guess, is it a passion of yours, the environment, taking care of it, looking out for it? That's an interesting thing to say, I guess. (laughs) So Mm. I'm an environmental engineer, but I definitely lean towards helping the bad guy sometimes. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Are you a Trump supporter? No, I'm not. That's another okay. thing. I'm not a Trump supporter. That's a Texas misconception. We're not all Trump supporters here. Oh, yeah. Well, you look at those better results. <laughs> yeah. Are you vaccinated? Yes. Just had to check before we can continue. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Andrew was like, we have to check before we can resume this recording. Well, before we move on to a couple of announcements and then some news, I just wanted to issue... A PSA. So, of course, we've heard a lot about Hurricane Dorian in recent days. Um, Thankfully, it seems like the U.S. East Coast has fared pretty well when it comes to Dorian. Um, The Bahamas, however, did not. The Bahamas got wrecked because when Dorian went over them, it went over as a Category 5 storm. So they are seeing massive infrastructure loss lack of clean water, people don't have food. It's really, really bad down there right now. And I wanted to make sure to talk about this. On Sunday night, hundreds of Bahamian Dorian refugees were deboarded from their ferry to the U.S. before they could even get here. Uh, Customs and Border Patrol claims that they should have been allowed in without visas per the current relaxed policy of allowing entrance with a valid passport and a clean police record, which these people all had. The ferry company is now claiming that when they sent the passenger manifest to Customs and Border Patrol, they were told that those without visas would not be accepted and as a result ended up deboarding the ferry. At the end of the day, no matter whose fuck up this is, the main takeaway for me is that climate refugees are being denied entry to the U.S. And considering the fact that the U.S. is one of the largest contributors to these extreme climate events we have going on, that makes me want to throw up. Yep. We're contributing to the problem and then we're not helping people who need our help because of the problem that we are aiding. So, yeah, it's pretty sad. And to be honest, we're going to continue. We're going to be seeing more of this kind of thing. 
And unfortunately, there aren't visa programs in place for people who are fleeing all kinds of climate-related events. So I think something we'll want to keep an eye out for is the climate refugee crisis that will be coming to our border. Mm -hmm. So that's my depressing news for the day. Um, Oh, well, thank you. You're welcome. That's what I'm here for. Anything else creepy hap- happened to you over the weekend? I Well, I wish something creepy had happened to me over the weekend. I saw <laughs> it too, and I was very disappointed. Hmm. Um, I really liked the first one, and then the second one just kind of fell flat for me. It had some really good moments. Most of them were the ones in which Pennywise was on screen. And I actually think the movie suffered by not having more Pennywise. Well, yeah, Pennywise is the main character, right? Well, no. he I mean, he's the main oh. antagonist. But I, I think the point of horror a lot of the time is that less is more. And that typically the more you show a monster, the less scary it is because you're like oversaturating people with it. Right. But in this case, I was like, actually, this would have been way better if they had let Bill Skarsgård have more screen time. Yeah. That's actually too bad because the first one um, did a lot of groundwork as far as character development. Yep. And that should have just been overemphasized now that they were able to get a star-studded cast of adults to pick up the mantle. Right. Clearly, I have not seen either It movie based on that question I just asked. Is this one based on Stephen King's book as well? or Yes. Oh, so okay. the book takes place when they're children and then also when they're adults. So they face it as children and again when they're adults and they did it as a two-parter. So the oh. first movie was about the kids. The second movie is about when they're all adults. Okay. Okay. I don't see scary movies, but Pat saw this over the weekend too. Also did not like it, Laura. He was he was bored like you were. Yeah. It's too bad. And none of you be too jealous of me and Pat but we are going to an early access screening of the Downton Abbey movie. This isn't some press thing. This is an email from the movie theater saying, hey, you want to see Downton Abbey (laughs) a week early? And I'm actually about 60 years old. So, of course, I bought these tickets very quickly. Um, I'm super excited for this movie. I recommended Downton Abbey recently. Pat and I have been binging it to be ready. Pam, you must be a Downton Abbey fan too, right? Yeah, I really like the show, but I have to admit that I fell off the bandwagon. Um, Originally, when it was airing, it was just like they had this weird release schedule at the beginning where it would air in the UK and then months later would air in the United States. And I just couldn't keep up. So I definitely want to go back and rewatch the show at some point, but I am not caught up. Well, so... I might still go see the movie, though, because I feel like this is an event thing, and it's always fun to go (laughs) experience that. Yeah. And by the way, I'm just on Rotten Tomatoes right now, and I see The Goldfinch, which is based on the book, opens up this weekend, stars Ansel Elgort. It has a 29% on Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah, apparently critics were shitting on that. Wow. That's surprising, because that book is highly regarded. Right. It's too bad. Well, before we move on to some news, we wanted to talk about sharing millennial with a friend. So one of our favorite things to hear from our listeners is how they found the show. And it's doubly awesome to hear when someone was introduced to the show through a friend. 
So now through Halloween or October 31st, we want to give some shout outs on the show to our listeners who are spreading awareness by word of mouth. Introduce a friend to Millennial and take a selfie together rocking some Millennial branding like the Millennial shirt or sticker if you have one, or even sharing headphones and enjoying your listening experience together. Then share and tag Millennial Show on social, and we'll give you and your friend a shout out here live on air. At Podcast Movement, we learned that word of mouth is one of the best ways to get new listeners. So this is a great way to help support the show. So introduce a friend to Millennial, capture the moment, then share and tag us on social, and we'll give you and your friend a shout out on the air. Um, yeah, when we were at Podcast Movement, as Laura just said, that was one of the number one things. It's it, it's apparently the most effective way to spread the word about a podcast. So thank you for helping us spread the word. We really appreciate it. And speaking of shout outs, we did want to welcome some of our newest patrons. Welcome Rex, Vincent and Carson. We're happy to have you. Rex, like the Toy Story character? Yeah. Is he a listener? That'd be so cool. Rex, can you... I was about to say, can you send us a picture? That sounded super creepy. Not <laughs> not what I intended. My hope is that you'll send us a selfie, but it'll actually be of Rex. Yes. Be so. the Toy Story character, Rex. <laughs> Favorite Rex line is, I can't take all this uncertainty. <laughs> all right. So before we get to some news, we've got a Hollywood related story. We've got a smoking story. And also, um, uh, we're going to talk about our carbon emissions first it's time for a word from our first sponsor of the week one who makes me look stylish yet comfortable while out on the town they are untuck it i'm glad they're advertising on the show again just in time for fall their button downs are perfect for the cooler temperatures untuck it shirts were specifically designed to be worn untucked in fact they are the original untucked shirts providing a modern solution to the old problem which is that no one wants to tuck a shirt in. When I tuck my shirt in, I feel so serious. And I have no interest in in showing off my crotch area. That's just not me. When I do, I just feel obnoxious. It feels like too much. But I like to look dressed up. And untucked shirts let me do that. They have tons of new arrivals just in time for fall. Plaids, patterns, solids, subtle designs, long sleeve, short sleeve, they've got it all. So you can easily go out on the town looking like you want to make an impression, but without feeling stiff and constantly needing to uh, retuck your shirt in. They are also great for all-day activities. Maybe you're going out with friends, you know, pictures are going to be taken. Put on an untucked shirt and you're set for the day, both in comfort and in looks. No matter your gender, Untuck It has some awesome selections for you. I've been talking about shirts for guys, but I also recommend checking out the vests, the wraps, the blazers, the shirt dresses. They will all make you look 100. Try it on in person at one of Untuck It's 50 stores or go to untuckit.com to get started. They even offer free shipping and returns on all orders in the US. So try it. If you don't like it, I know you will, but if you don't like it, send it back. No problem. You can save 20% on your first order by using our code millennial at checkout. That's untuckit.com promo code millennial. All right, Pam. So there was some Hollywood drama this week. It was a a big head shaker. Yes. Um, Do we have any crazy rich Asians fans in the house? Yeah, I love that movie. Yeah, and I think that anybody that is a fan is super excited for the sequel. It's already been greenlit, but unfortunately, they've had a little bit of trouble getting that 
going. And it really does come down to negotiations going on behind the scenes. Originally, the plan was to keep the creative team intact, but it looks like the sequel is about to lose one of the film's original writers, co-writer Adele Lim, who actually walked away from the sequel following pay disparity disputes with Warner Brothers. And this was a huge Hollywood story on multiple levels, but let's just break it down here so everybody kind of has the basics. So originally, this was reported by The Hollywood Reporter, and in their report, they said that a source close to the issue revealed that WB actually offered Lim's co-writer Peter Chiarelli a starting offer of $800,000 to a million dollars to sign on for the sequel. So that figure was based off of his previous experience. He's a veteran screenwriter, and he's really well known for penning 2019's The Proposal. That all sounds great, but the problem is that Lim, who is a co-writer, was only offered 110000 plus to sign on for the sequel. It's a huge slap in the face. Oof. And uh, apparently when her reps reached out to WB, they told her that the quotes were industry standard, established ranges based on experience, and that making an exception for her would actually be setting a, quote, troubling precedent for the business. So Lim, her first movie was Crazy Rich Asians, but she's got a ton of experience as a veteran television writer, and she's been writing for the small screen since 2001. So she's not lacking experience. She just doesn't have the right kind of experience. So wow. I guess the producers thought they were going to be able to replace her, but they searched for five months, couldn't find anybody <laughs> to do what she was doing, and reapproached her with a figure that was much closer to what pay parity would be. And they were actually able to do this because her co-writer, Peter, had offered to split his fees with her. But in a boss move, she passed. And this is what she had to say. Pete has been nothing but incredibly gracious, but I, what I make shouldn't be dependent on the generosity of a white guy writer. If I couldn't get pay equity for crazy rich Asians, I can't imagine what it would be like for anyone else, given that the standard for how much you're worth is having established quotes from previous movies which women of color would never have been hired for. There's no realistic way to achieve true equity that way. So that's where mm. we are. Damn. Yeah, that's pretty shocking, but she handled it brilliantly. Yep. What a bad and bitch. And I, I feel like the deal should have been, okay, you were involved with Crazy Rich Asians. You did a great job on the first one. So you get to come back and we're going to, if you are the co-writer... If you're writing this with somebody else, you guys get paid the same amount. Right. Shouldn't it be that simple? Too, like, this is the highest grossing rom-com to date. They made mm. bank at the box office. They know they're going to make bank with the sequel. And the fact that they couldn't, on that merit, knowing that she did a great job, and she was hired to make sure that it was, like, accurate to the culture, so clearly she's valuable. I just can't believe they couldn't offer her more based on what she was already bringing. Yeah, exactly. I think it's so funny that they were down to give Chiarelli all of this extra money because of his experience being a veteran screenwriter. Air quotes here. Not denigrating his experience, by the way. But Lim was bringing TV writing experience to the table, which, yeah, it's not quite the same as screenwriting, but she did okay with the first Crazy Rich Asians. But she's also bringing a wealth of personal experience that helps inform the narrative to make sure that it's not culturally insensitive. Mm -hmm. Are they saying that's not worth something? Exactly. Well, and I'm also just thinking, like, surely this was going to get out. <laughs> they knew that this could happen. So... 
shouldn't they have been aware of that as well and maybe done the right thing to begin with? Because we see these stories from time to time. There's probably many more that we're not seeing, but they do surface from time to time. And as you say, Pam, it was the second, it was the largest rom-com in history. There's going to be a lot of attention on this and especially during the development period and to see Lim have to go, people are going to be looking into that. And now Warner Brothers looks like idiots. Right. Well, I sure hope that they're happy they saved themselves that $800,000. <laughs> yeah. And isn't the story like about the Asian woman experience? Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. that just makes it, I guess the optics are just really bad. <laughs> it is kind of funny that like, even though obviously they did a really good job making sure to be authentic in terms of casting and in terms of the director, John M. Chu. Um, and then obviously the um, writer of the book was on hand as a consultant and an executive producer as well. But despite all that, they're still basically shitting on a woman of color. And then there's still, you know, white men in power at the top squashing that. It It's just it's so weird, especially for a movie like this that was celebrated for diversity. I think it really should have come down to how successful do we think the sequel is going to be? If if Lim was on another movie, on established movie, let's say another crazy rich Asian, something that hasn't, uh, you know, it's she's writing it for another rom-com, but it doesn't have an established franchise behind it. Okay, yeah, then the lower pay maybe makes sense if she's already only written one movie and some TV stuff a while ago. But they know this movie is going to make gobs of money, so they have every reason to pay her whatever the co-writer is making. It just that that should be the only thing that that they go off of when determining her salary. Yeah, and, and now he, she can go write for like Sony or Disney and make all the money and create another franchise similar to Crazy Rich Asians. Yeah, and if you look at like the math of it all, like she's making. 10% of what he was potentially going to make, which is not even on par with like, you know, the 69, 79 cents to the dollar. Right. That's just like way underpaying her. That's such a good point. I think like the biggest takeaway from this, because I know that some people are like, oh, well, like, boohoo, what a first world problem. They're still offering her more money than people make in a day. That's really not the point. It's it's the principle of the matter. And um, I, I really admire her for her statement. And for yeah. sticking to her guns. And we're seeing this more and more. And I think that it is important as far as pushing progress forward. So mm-hmm. I agree. Yeah, she she's in a good position. She's in a position of power because she has proven herself to be a talented writer. She can come out and say this type of thing. Unfortunately, a lot of people in Hollywood probably feel that they can't come out and talk about stuff like this. Kind of similar to the Me Too movement in that they fear if they speak out their careers are going to be ruined. In Lim's case, she feels confident that she'll continue to get work and she'll get paid what she deserves from other studios. Maybe she also thought that coming out like this would um, get Warner Brothers to pay up, but uh, shockingly, it took Chiarelli to chip in to get close to what he was making. So it's just an unfortunate situation. And hopefully if more people continue to come forward then these studios for some reason they're not already but these studios will think twice when figuring out these salaries speaking of hmm what can my transition be injustice scary things dangers 
Things that piss you off. Things that it doesn't piss no, me it off. It doesn't really piss you off. Yeah. It's something it you can me. call me out for though. <laughs> Speaking of calling out women. <laughs> what? I don't, I don't know, know calling you out. <laughs> None of these are working. Jonathan, you come up with a transition. I can't. I mean you're the creative <laughs> one here, right? Yeah, why are you putting him on the spot? <laughs> I'm just messing. All right, so another story. Um, That's a good one. Wa- at least one of us here vapes. Would that Hi. person like to come forward? Hi. I don't think I've been hiding. Okay. Just checking. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe you think your boss is listening to this week's episode or something. No. So um, I'm worried about you, Laura, and everybody else who is vaping. U.S. health officials have again urged people to stop vaping until they figure out why some are coming down with serious breathing illnesses. Officials have identified about 450 possible cases, including as many as five deaths in 33 states. No single vaping device, liquid or ingredient has been tied to all the illnesses, officials said. Many of the sickened were people who said they had been vaping THC. Of course, that's the chemical that gives marijuana its high, and many are teenagers. Others are podcasters, so I'm doubly worried about you, Laura. (laughs) And doctors say the illnesses resemble an inhalation injury with the body apparently reacting to a causistic substance that someone breathed in. Symptoms have included shortness of breath, fatigue, chest pain, and vomiting. Have you had any of these symptoms, Laura? Not recently. No, no, I'm kidding. Okay. <laughs> you were sick over the weekend. Uh, yeah, I had the flu. Uh, are you sure it was the flu? Yeah, it's been going around my social circle. So the government isn't ready to blame an element of these uh, canisters or whatever you want to call them. But the state of New York believes it's vitamin E. That has been the one common traits between all of these cases i'm curious does this give you pause when pressing that light up button yeah definitely i think anytime you smoke something you should take pause um smoking things is not good for you i i remember hearing a lot of people when they were waxing poetic about vaping how it was quote so much better for you than actually smoking and i was like okay no it's not it it might not be as bad as smoking a cigarette but anytime you're inhaling something into your lungs that is not something medicinal for the lungs themselves it's not good for you right that said i am also aware of the fact that there are multiple lung illnesses out there that kill more people every day than this has killed so far. Um, So that's just something that I'm being cognizant of, and I'm not like running around losing my mind and being super paranoid, which is something that can happen sometimes if you partake in THC. (laughs) I I would say don't be alarmed, but also exercise good judgment. Maybe right now, if you're you're a smoker, you want to lean towards edibles. Because I don't think they've ever linked those to death. (laughs) (laughs) You're not worried because it hasn't affected enough people yet. But I think the concern here is that we really don't have answers right now. And all this vaping stuff, I mean, do you really know where it's coming from? No. And I think one of the things that this um, article from Rolling Stone brings up that's a really good point 
is that there are a lot of um, sort of like imposter cartridges getting around out there. Because um, if you're not buying from an actual licensed uh, distributor, then what you're getting, you can't know if it's a genuine product. I buy all of my things from California, so I know where they come from. And I know that they are real product um, and that it wasn't just some shit that somebody made in their bathtub (laughs) and went out selling. But there is a lot of that on the market. So you do have to be really careful and make sure that if you're going to partake in this, that you're being responsible about where you're sourcing it from. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I think you should stop for now. Pat vapes as well. And I filled him in on this. And it's not stopping him either. I don't know why you all like to live on the edge like this. It's the same reason that there are plenty of things that most of us do on our day-to-day lives that carry some amount of risk that we don't stop doing. Do you still, do you ever eat red meat? Yeah. Well, uh, red meat has contributed to more deaths than e-cigs have thus far. But that's not my story of the week. This is my story (laughs) of the week. No, and I mean, I'm not saying it to downgrade it. I think that it's it's something really important to pay attention to. Um, and it's not something to be glib about. It's it's something to to be really clued in on, because if I were to find out tomorrow that the FDA was coming out, FDA and CDC were coming out and saying like, hey, you're just as likely to get lung cancer from smoking uh, a THC vape as you would from smoking cigarettes, I'd drop this shit in a heartbeat. So... Mm-hmm. Not to say that I'm unwilling to change my habits. Certainly am. There are more than one, <laughs> there's more than one way to skin a cat, and there's more mm-hmm. than one way to get high. <laughs> Many of them don't require smoking. So where there's a will, there's a way. Exactly. People Laura will always will forge on. <laughs> but um, you you brought up a good point about anything that you're sucking down your lungs is is not going to be good for you when there's smoke involved. And teens have been looking at vaping and being like, oh, shit, here's the solution. I don't have to worry about cigarettes anymore. I can do it without being caught. My breath won't smell. No, no, no. Yeah. And then and then these kids and probably a lot of adults, too, are smoking more because it's so damn easy to just press that little button and suck it down. Right. And I think that's really scary when it comes to e-cigarettes. Um, yeah. And, and I mean, it's true of of you know, weed as well. But with the e-cigarettes, people think that, oh, this is healthier for me than a regular cigarette because I'm not getting all of the smoke. And you may not be getting that, but you're still getting vapor in your lungs and you're also building up a nicotine addiction. Um, Mm -hmm. Not to mention those are really highly concentrated. So you're probably getting more nicotine out of your vape than you would be getting out of a cigarette. Mm -hmm. So don't fool yourself. It is not good for you. I guess I've been really lucky. I never got addicted to cigarettes, even though I have had a puff from a single cigarette one night, a few nights, you know, in my life. Usually it's when I'm, when I've been drinking a lot and uh, one of my friends, (laughs) I think it's like only, it's mostly happened in Vegas, drinking, having good, having a good night out. One of my smoker friends it's like, oh, hey, I have, have a puff. I'm like, oh, sure. And it, it does hit the spot in the moment, but then I don't get the temptation to continue doing it. So I feel like I've been lucky in that regard. Has anyone else here 
smoked cigarettes before and perhaps been tempted or maybe you were smoking them a while and then you had to get off? Oh, I definitely went through a phase when I was in college where like you, Andrew, if I was drunk, then yeah, I would partake. But now I'm at the point where if I even smell it, it makes me want to gag. Yeah. So my dad grew up smoking and I didn't mind it until I was a little bit older, like in my teens, I guess. And then like you guys, whenever people would smoke during parties or something and I was drunk enough, I'd do it. But I would never admit to ever smoking. I also have some smokers in my family. And I guess that's a common trend, the taking a few puffs when you're drunk, because I've definitely done that too. But I did not like the feeling. It just made me feel really anxious. I don't know, maybe I guess like the nicotine can have that effect. And it definitely did for me. So I, I didn't like it. And I got really paranoid and it wasn't fun. So it's not mm-hmm. for me. But I mean, really, yeah. it shouldn't be for anyone. Really, like, I would never encourage anybody to smoke anything. Like, I wouldn't <laughs> I wouldn't go on the air and be like, you know what? I think everybody should go out and get a vape pen. Um, <laughs> you know, I, that's not my style. But definitely cigarettes. By now, we have established <laughs> that... Yeah. These will like most certainly lead to some kind of health complication, if not death, for you. Yeah. So don't. It is shocking to see people still smoking cigarettes. And I live near a college campus. I saw a couple days ago a youngish girl smoking a cig while walking with her friends. Like, what the fuck? That does not look cool anymore, first of all. You smell like shit. God forbid, and I brought this up a few weeks ago, God forbid... I start walking behind you while you're smoking. Oh, my God. I'd rather jump out in the street and get hit by a car than continue walking behind you on the sidewalk. It's it's a terrible smell. The only person who's ever smoked in my family is my grandfather. And thank God, he stopped probably at least five years ago. I know he was trying as far back as 10 years ago. But his he he's got this permanent cough and this permanent grumbling in his voice because of smoking cigarettes and it's sad to see and sometimes he'll get into these coughing fits that just will not slow down and luckily he's still with us and he's still in decent shape but i can't help but wonder how much better shape he would be in potentially if he had never smoked and he was a smoker for a good 30 years 40 years probably longer did anybody else try to like get any loved ones off of smoking Jonathan, Pam, you guys mentioned family members. I used to when I was younger. I I have um, my grandmother's two siblings. So my great aunt and my great uncle, uh, like all of my memories of them when we were younger is them stepping outside to smoke. And Mm. I used to uh, try to hide their packs. And then I got reprimanded for that because I think it was like my grandma or something was basically saying that I wasn't old enough to tell them what to do. And it was like a problem that was much bigger than me. But, you know, even as a small child, I was like, that's not good for you. And, you know, I was like very cognizant of how addicted they were. And I feel like maybe now they've cut back. Mm. But when I was growing up, it was like every hour on the hour they were outside smoking a cigarette. And it's just like, you know, I didn't even understand what addiction was, but like I knew that that they were addicted. But I'm sure that uh, made a huge impact on them, knowing that you were trying to get them to stop. I hope so. Like, they never did it in front of 
me and my brother, we were like, we're the oldest grandchildren. So we were around for a little bit before there were more kids. But yeah, definitely. Like if they could sneak away without us seeing, they would. So I feel like at least it brought them a bit of shame because <laughs> they tried to hide it. But yeah. Well, speaking of health, this is a different kind of health. It's global health. I was doing a little bit of research and I found this website called projectren.com. And this website allows you to calculate your personal carbon emissions so you can figure out what your footprint is. And I thought that we could all take this quiz, use their calculator, and compare our results on the show. What's really cool about Project Ren is that not only are they calculating your carbon footprint, they help connect you with different causes around the world that you can donate to on a monthly basis in order to offset your carbon footprint by up to 100%. How cool is that? So everybody took this, right? Mm -hmm. Okay, cool. So I thought that we... uh, could pull up our results page. So if you're looking in your account, there's just a link that says my footprint. I was wondering if we could all start by sharing our individual carbon footprints. And it refers to our tons of CO2 emitted per year. Mine is 17.9 tons. Mine is uh, 10.72 tons. Ooh, look at you, what? Pam. <laughs> I'm 12.1 tons. The fuck? I'm 19.51. So the United States average is 19.5. So oh. yeah, Andrew, you and Andrew and Jonathan are pretty pretty close to our country's average. Um mm-hmm. the world average is 4.9. So we all suck. Whoa. <laughs> compared to the rest of the world. Um, and then looking at my personal carbon budget, it tells you how many months um you would have to bring emissions under control if everybody lived like you. So for me, it's like, if everyone lived like you, we'd have to bring emissions to zero within 61 months. Wow. That's fucking scary. Basically, it's telling me if everybody on Earth lived the way that I lived, we would have five years. That's a car (laughs) loan. (laughs) For a car that's destroying the planet. Mm -hmm. So... I thought it would be interesting, and we can dive into some of the particulars here, but I wanted to see what the largest contributor to each of our carbon footprints is. Mine is transportation, and I think it has to do... So the Tesla helps, because that's all electric, but the flights are what kill me, I think. Uh, How many short flights do you take each year? I said four. That's one way. How many long flights do you take each year? I said six so 10 flights and then i mentioned the chicago trains uh you know how many miles i drive each week but because of the tesla that doesn't matter i don't i so i yeah i guess the plane is the worst problem for me that's that's my worst problem too and mostly because i do most of my flying from san francisco to la and that adds up so even if i go three times a year it's still six flights since they're counting each way. So, Pam, I want you to buy a canoe and start canoeing <laughs> from San Francisco to Santa Monica, California. Jonathan, what about you? What was your worst offender? Yeah, I'm looking at the graph and it is transportation as well. Um, and I think it's also the planes, but I also drive like 
an hour both ways, so 30 minutes each way to work. So that's definitely um, adding to that transportation. Not that I'd like to drive that much, mm-hmm. but... But it's a necessity. Yeah. So for me, transportation is the number one as well. It makes up 34% of my total footprint. Um, And I drive a Prius and it's still pretty high. Um, But the problem is this country is so big and people have to commute so much in order to work. It's hard to know how you could make this score better. I know they make some recommendations. Um, so you can actually see a carbon report in the account that actually tells you what you can do to make some discernible changes to your emissions. Um, so one of the things that it tells me is like drive less. <laughs> and I'm like, well, I don't really know. But yeah, that's the thing. And also living in a city like Atlanta where our mass transit is shit. I really don't have that as a viable option all the time. It's definitely something I can use sometimes. But for my commute to work, I would literally have to take two buses and then get on MARTA and then from MARTA take another bus to get to my place of work. And it becomes an issue of like, okay, my commute can either be 20 minutes by car or it can be an hour and a half by our really shitty metro system. Right. And fuck that. How many miles is your trip to work? Uh, my Oh, my trip to work is actually uh, like six miles. <laughs> so, oh. yeah. Okay. Yeah. I have my... an idea for you. Hmm. Electric scooter. Uh, no. Have you I seen? I love them. So first of all, I, I think I talked about this on the show the other day. I almost hit somebody riding on one of those fucking things the other day because they're riding it out in the middle of North Avenue. And I'm like, what the hell are you doing? Yeah, it's a street. But like they're just out riding in the middle of this really busy street downtown. And it's like, (laughs) what are you doing? And it's because we don't have bike lanes here. That was going to be my next question because a lot of cities are trying to add more bike lanes. I know Chicago has been doing that a bunch and we have a big bike system where you can temporarily pick up a bike sort of like you can um, these electric scooters. So no, but no bike lanes for you in in Atlanta. No, very few. Very few. I know one of the other recommendations it made to me was not to fly or to avoid a round trip flight. I know that we (laughs) saw this recently. There is a really young climate activist out of Europe and her la- her first name is Greta. I can't remember her last name for the life Thurn- of me. Thurnberg or Thunberg? Yeah. She actually just traveled across the Atlantic Ocean in a sailboat in order to avoid uh, increasing her carbon footprint by doing a round trip flight across well, the Atlantic. good for her, but that's not realistic for the rest right. of us. <laughs> right. It's, it's great and I love it, but God, like, how great would it be if we could figure out a way to make more sustainable quick travel options for people or at least if it was more cost effective i would have no problem taking say amtrak from Mm -hmm. san francisco to los angeles but the issue really is is that sometimes it's more expensive or on par so then it's like well why am i going to spend the same amount and the station's not convenient if i could just fly there and be there in an hour One of the other things they told me I could improve on, and I wanted to see if you guys got this too, was I apparently use a lot of electricity. (laughs) 
What are you doing? Did you guys get this as well? No. No. See, I was I was talking to Mark about this the other day. I was like, I'm pretty sure the electric bill has gone up since you moved in. <laughs> and then I, and then I took this quiz and I was like, aha, see. But no, I think that um it's probably because I like to keep the house fairly cool. So I think a lot of it is like the AC. So Do you have a DVR? A what? A DVR for your TV. No. Okay. Actually, Jonathan, you mentioned you have one, right? I found <laughs> yes. out these cable boxes are total power hogs. I've actually known really? this for a few years. Yeah, total power hogs. And you would never guess it. But these things were made in like the early 2000s and they weren't thinking about them being energy efficient. And you know, the, the shit, it never gets updated. The, these systems are, are archaic. Um, so if you have a DVR, Jonathan, looking at you now, you might want to <laughs> ditch that. You just lost all your content yeah. as I learned in hashing it out, unfortunately. Maybe now's the time, good time to throw it out the window. Save some energy. Maybe. Similar but different. We have an older washer and dryer unit. And those, um, when I was looking at the electricity bill to put this report together, anytime there was a large spike in electricity usage, it's the days that laundry is done. So yeah, that was a big one. And I know that um, in the future would like to look into getting something that's a little bit more eco friendly, but those are expensive. So it's like, why are you going to toss something that works? But yeah, Laura, do you have like a like, do you turn on the air conditioning when you're not in the house? So I do. But the difference is that my boyfriend recently moved in and we kind of have opposite schedules. So now there's almost always somebody at home. Yeah. Tell Mark so. he just has to rough it like me. Like if <laughs> I don't have to turn on the light all day, that's I consider it a win. <laughs> just turn no, the computer. I, I thought this was cool because it did prompt us to have a conversation about being more responsible about our energy usage. And I was just like, listen, I've noticed sometimes like we've both done it where we've left a light on in a room that we're not in. Let's be better about turning those off even if it's just a small contribution or like maybe let's even um you know set the ac to be like one degree warmer so that we're not wasting all this money on cold air so i think this is a good tool for even just facilitating those conversations but it's also just good for self-awareness yeah of being like okay well Compared to the rest of the United States, none of us are terrible. But compared to the rest of the world, we are destroying the planet. Yeah. Um, and just like getting some thoughts on what you can be doing in your day to day to reduce your carbon footprint. But what I really like about this is what I mentioned before is that it connects you with causes that you can donate to on a monthly basis to help offset your carbon footprint. And uh, for me, I actually ended up donating to a cause in Peru where they're actually um, monitoring the Peruvian rainforest to prevent loggers from coming in and destroying that area. And as we all know, the rainforest has been going through some shit lately. Um, but the program that I'm funding every month is helping to develop drone technology so that the rainforest can be remotely monitored. And um, so that they're better able to catch people when they're doing this. They also have an option for you to donate to offset various amounts of your carbon footprint. So 
Um, For me, it gave me the option to double my monthly contribution to offset 200% of my uh, carbon footprint. And it was like 30 bucks a month, which was like, hell yeah, I'll do that. I spend more on all of my subscription services together (laughs) than that. And if I can afford to have Spotify and Netflix and Hulu and God knows what else, I can afford to be doing something to offset for the fact that I'm a terrible global citizen. My dream (laughs) is to have solar panels and just create my own energy. I would freaking love that. It's a total pipe dream right now because being in a condo, but if when I ever buy an actual home and it's in a pretty sunny area and the solar people tell me I'll be able to generate enough enough energy to make it worth it, I would do that in a heartbeat. And yeah, how plus cool they'll buy your say? energy too. Like if you have extra. Yeah, you can sell it back to them. Heck yeah. Heck yeah. Something you might want to look into, Andrew, um, with your local power company is to see if they have a solar program. Mine does. And basically, like, I don't have solar panels, but every month I pay a flat fee to invest in solar power. And in return, a a certain portion of the power to my home is generated from solar power. Oh, that's cool. So that actually helped my carbon footprint a little bit because something like I think it was like 34% of my electricity is generated from solar So you might be able to find some kind of program like that with your power company. You'll pay a little bit more every month, but at least you're actually contributing to a more sustainable energy practice. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I'll look into that. I'm not sure if that was serious. (laughs) Um, It's like 60% serious. (laughs) Yeah. So since I drive a lot to get to work, I think the best thing that I do as far as offsetting on my own is to not drive as much during the weekend it's a little more difficult because i am living in a suburb but there's things nearby that i can just walk to instead of getting in a car and getting there you know maybe 10 minutes or yeah 10 minutes quicker but it's i think like the biggest takeaway from this for me is that there's small things you can do to offset on your own that you know in the as opposed to you know um having to donate something. I think you can just make small sacrifices that in the long run kind of offset what you do during the week. Because like I said, there's not really going around me having to drive to work. Like I need to get yeah. to work. Um, I think yeah. there's a new excuse here for us to use when we don't want to go out. Hey, Laura, you want to go out? <laughs> I mean, that's a good excuse. Too. Oh, sorry. I, you know, I'm at my carbon emission quota for the week. I really can't leave the house today. I'm sorry. I'm <laughs> sitting here in the darkness right now, sweating in the 100 degree heat. <laughs> that's going to be the new, oh, Mercury's in retrograde. So <laughs> staying inside. Can't go. The planet's dying. If everybody lived like I lived, the planet would be dead in five years. Um. I think something else that's really cool about this is, of course, they make recommendations to you about things like you can drive less, you can not have a car at all, but you don't necessarily have to go to the extremes of these things in order to have an impact. Like Jonathan was just saying, even if you reduce some of your impact by a small margin, that does make a difference. It's kind of like how we've talked on the show before about how It doesn't really make sense to shame people for their dietary habits because that's not going to change minds when you're like attacking people for what they eat. 
But maybe if you have a conversation with somebody, you might be able to convince them to go vegetarian or vegan two or three days a week. Mm -hmm. And even making those kinds of changes is really impactful. So I'd really recommend everybody check out projectren.com and figure out what your carbon footprint is and maybe set yourself up a little plan for what you're going to do to have an impact. I think light bulbs, by the way, are a quick one to just check and that that can add up over Mm -hmm. time, just switching to LED light bulbs. Yep. And electric companies will actually encourage you to do that. And I think some will send you LED light bulbs for free. It benefits them too. Yeah, I think you certain companies will also give you a discount <laughs> if you use those. Yeah, or smart thermostats. There's like instant rebates for those mm-hmm. with your electric company. Jonathan, what do you do for a living? Can you tell us about that quick? Yeah, I'm, a, I'm an environmental engineer. So I work <laughs> with the environment, funnily enough. Um, the company I work for focuses on landfills. So there's a lot to be said about landfills. I mean, it's not the most glamorous job, but it's definitely important. And what were you saying where sometimes you do stuff that benefits the right or you work for the right or something like that? Well, no, not the right, just the bad guys. Like I work in air permitting mostly. So, um, we try to get permits for these different processes that, are not necessarily the best thing, but um, at the end of the day, they kind of help progress industry, right? So um, for the most part, landfills are obviously important, so those need to be permitted. It's not like you can just let them go and be unpermitted and people will start complaining. But yeah, so you're kind of like straddling a line, like trying to as like altruistically keep it as low as possible as far as emissions are concerned but then you're also trying to help the client out right to say hey you can go up to what the standard is so it's it's you balance a line between like what you really think of what you should be doing for the environment but also making money for your <laughs> client has there ever been a time where you felt really t- like torn on a particular issue because of your job and then sort of like your personal beliefs? Yeah, because um, at the end of the day, it's a business and people want to make money. That's kind of like the running joke at where I work is that um, the mafia used to like take care of the trash. That's why people don't really like out of sight, out of mind. Um, that's like that's why the mafia is so rich because they were the ones taking trash and everyone always has trash. And so... Um, just knowing that some of the things you're doing is for um, for someone else's making money off of someone else's trash is kind of, it's, you didn't realize how lucrative the business is. And so for you to be helping out these people um, might be questionable, but I think at the end of the day, I'm still trying to keep it within, you know, the standards and limits of the states or the federal mm-hmm. government. And I, that's a good thing. Yeah. So given all of your experience and background, Look and looking at Project Ren, does paying to offset your carbon footprint actually help make a difference in your opinion? I think it's an interesting way to think about it because it seems very like just the idea of it seems like a very American way of thinking. Like, oh, I'm polluting, but it's you know someone else's problem over there, so I'm helping them out. Like, it's okay that I'm doing this now. Ooh, that's interesting. Like, as long as I can donate money over there, at least they're like doing something for it. And, you know, you're not taking true accountability for it. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is sort of, you know, we've had this stance before. Sometimes when we get involved with a company we might not really love, so we try to offset it. For example, we were torn about Fantastic Beasts, The Crimes of Grindelwald because Johnny Depp is in it. And so I think it was Laura, you said, I don't know if you ended up doing this, but Laura or somebody else said that they would be donating to groups that help uh, women who have been abused. Yeah. Or similarly, you know, I like Chick-fil-A, but their leaders donate to anti-LGBT organizations. So I try to offset that with my pro-LGBT organization donations. You know, it's it's all a balance, and it's your job, Jonathan, and I presume you like it, so you want to stay <laughs> yeah. in it. I do like it. Cool. Yeah. Well, awesome. I would love to hear what kinds of results all of you at home are getting, so head on over to projectren.com. And if you want to save money but can't do it by reducing your electricity bill, we have another returning sponsor this week who are just for you. And these are the people I recently said you need to sign up for. And if you don't, you're crazy. Sorry, but you just are. Because these guys save you money. They don't take your money. It's honey. You do online shopping, right? Nine times out of 10, shopping online beats going to the store. I love online shopping because when I have an, ooh, I need to order that thought pop into my head, I just load up my phone and get it done on my couch. But nine times out of 10, you or me, we're overpaying when we shop online unless you use Honey. Honey is a free browser extension that keeps money in your pocket by automatically handing you coupon codes when you're on the checkout page of hundreds of online retailers. You don't even have to remember to use it. Honey just pops up when you're in the checkout and says, oh, Andrew, I've got some codes for you. It's fantastic. In fact, the average Honey user saves about $126 per year. That's a good month's worth of coffee shop trips, a pair of AirPods, 126 Taco Tuesday tacos, part of your student loan repayment, a year's worth of Netflix. It gives you a lot of options. All you have to do is install it once and let it do its magic for you as you shop online. It's kind of like one of those set it and forget it type of things. There's really no reason not to use Honey. It's free to use, installs on your computer in just two clicks, and it'll save you money so you can treat yourself to something nice. Get Honey for free at joinhoney.com slash M-I-L-L. Pay attention to that URL. It's joinhoney.com slash M-I-L-L. And make sure you include that M-I-L-L at the end of the URL so that they know we sent you. Yeah, so I have to say this is super easy. In the time that it took you to do half of that ad read, I added the browser extension and got it connected to my Google and Amazon accounts. Beautiful. So a couple of weeks ago, we talked about how Pornhub gives free premium memberships if you are from a town that has a sexual name. So we heard from a couple of folks who are from these towns. Aubrey says, I don't live in a town with a sexual name, but I do live on Hooker Avenue. About half the people I give my address to do a double take. And when they do, I like <laughs> to add that it runs right into Pleasure Drive. And they sent and Aubrey <sighs> sent along a picture pr- for proof as well. So that was nice. My boyfriend's mom tried to get him to change the address to the other street. The house is on. But we love our hooker home. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> That's great. And so they must have done that on purpose then. If Pleasure Drive 
connects to Hooker Avenue. Yeah, somebody was having a good time. And they were naming these yeah. roads. And horny. <laughs> I mean, I would look at that person and be like, um, I think this person is really into hookers. Should they really be working for us? Do you want to read the next one from Ashley? Intercourse PA is actually where my dad grew up. For some reason, our area has a few provocative town names such as Intercourse, Paradise, Blue Ball, <laughs> Bird in Hand, Fertility, Mount Joy, Virginville, and some mispronouncing of Littitz. Littitz? Does anybody know what that means? I have means? no idea. Um, <laughs> I'm assuming people are pronouncing it Littitz. Oh, Littitz, of course. That's why she would bring that up. Duh. My my dad went to a very religious college in New York. As a part of their orientation, everyone wrote their town's name on their name tag. He was quickly approached by the faculty and asked to change it immediately to the closest town, which was Lancaster. He, of course, refused. <laughs> now, that's a cool dad. Again, these people who are coming up with these names, so something is wrong with them. And how could this get approved? It just seems highly inappropriate it really does and ashley actually went on to later say that um her grandparents owned a diner that was originally called the intercourse diner and they actually <laughs> built a hotel behind it and called it the intercourse hotel um and that apparently at some point a photographer took a picture of the sign and it ended up in a playboy magazine oh my gosh <laughs> come to the intercourse hotel Come on in. <laughs> <laughs> Go eat some meatballs at the diner, then eat some meatballs <laughs> at the Intercourse Hotel. Pam, do you want to read this one from Helen? Sure. Helen says, after listening to your discussion in the most recent episode about Kennedy refusing to sign off on a plot to stage terrorist attacks on Americans and then blame the Cubans, it reminded me of this episode of Throughline. Mm -hmm. entitled Four Days in August. It's about how the U.S. secretly plotted to overthrow the democratically elected leader of Iran in the, 1950, in the 1950s and was successful. The leader we put in place was friendly to U.S. interests, but treated the people of Iran terribly, which has led to the situation we are facing today with Iran. It was fascinating and also terrible to learn that our actions basically caused all the current threats and problems with Iran. Um, yeah. That's like most of the history, honestly. Like, yeah. These ties to allies and, and also um, and also to foes, they just like, if you follow the money throughout history, you'll figure out exactly why we have problems with who we have issues with. Yeah, definitely. And I actually listened to this episode of Throughline that Helen mentioned. It was really well done. It's through NPR for anyone who hasn't listened to Throughline before. Um, so highly recommend it. Four days in August if you want to learn more about um, the history behind our current crisis with Iran. Okay. Time now for a recommendation request. And this came from one of our patrons. And by the way, that discussion Helen mentioned that was available on last week's After Dark. It was a really fascinating installment. Um, we asked patrons recently, what do you want us to recommend? This was originally part of our recommendation Palooza. We've been working through the listener submissions, so thanks everybody who submitted them on Patreon. A couple people, including Ning and Megan, asked us for our go-to recipes. 
And I'm putting the panel on the spot here because we have uh we didn't we're throwing this in last minute. Any recipes that really stand out to anybody you just love right now or you always rely on maybe one night of the week? I really like especially in the fall doing stews. Um and one of my favorites to do is like a lentil stew. So I basically try to mimic like kind of a traditional beef stew, except I use lentils instead. And you mm. still get a lot of protein from those. And they also have kind of a meaty texture. So it's really satisfying, super savory. And it's something that keeps pretty well. So you can make a big uh, vat of it to get you through the week. I am uh, 30 years old, but I eat like a five-year-old. I love mac and cheese. And a couple of people asked our favorite Trader Joe's thing. So I'm going to kind of combine both questions into one. Trader Joe's has pretzel rolls. They also have pretzel bagels and pretzel buns. But I love their pretzel rolls. And I will take mac and cheese. uh, Cook up some good mac and cheese. But pick any of your favorite types. And cut open that pretzel roll and pop it. Pop the mac and cheese in. It is delicious. The saltiness of the pretzel combined with that delicious creamy mac and cheese makes for a lovely dinner i also this weekend's kind of sidebar went to a grilled cheese food truck and had mac and cheese on a grilled cheese sandwich it was delicious that sounds great jonathan what do you like to eat down in texas bbq (laughs) that's a stereotype (laughs) um oops i mean i do enjoy that but I guess what I've been doing lately is, so I'm Filipino and there's this dish called adobo, which is basically um, whatever protein you choose, like pork, beef, or chicken even. And um, you just stick it in a pot with soy sauce and vinegar and it's really easy. You just wait for it to cook basically and then you eat it with rice. Mm, That's pretty easy for me. Yeah, I'm just really like low key because I... (laughs) I don't really like to cook, but that's something I can do because it's one of those things you can like let cook on its own. And then after an hour or so, it's like really tender. And yeah, yeah, I don't like getting too complicated either with recipes, but that works well. It jives well with the fact that I eat like a five year old. (laughs) I will say that I've just been honestly making my way through my grandma's cookbook and um, it's not like an actual dish but something I've really been enjoying lately is making my own salsa because it's really easy and it keeps just as well and it's really nice to be able to control how much salt for example it goes into that stuff Mm. Mm. are you somebody who likes to have things spicy so is it like a spicy salsa no it's it's really simple it's literally just um jalapeno peppers and tomato and garlic and cilantro oh okay that great nice. yeah it's really Speaking good of cookbooks. it's super fresh um and you can really customize it based on how many peppers you put in there so it can be you know really spicy or you can dial it down and just pop it in the blender for a bit after you boil the veggies and it's just mm. really, really good. It's good on literally almost everything. You can put it on your eggs. You can put it on your rice. You can put it on your chicken. You can probably put it on your tofu if you're, um, you know, vegetarian. Speaking of cookbooks, you know who is releasing his cookbook today? Anthony. 
Yes. <laughs> Did you pre-order it? <laughs> no, I kind of wanted to go um, to his... Uh, he's doing like a book tour and I thought it might be fun just to go to the one in San Francisco because it's at the Castro Theater and I really like that venue. Oh, but yeah. Couldn't Is get he tickets. signing? All the gays beat me as yeah. they should. Oh, God, it's San Francisco. Forget yeah. about it. <laughs> as they should have, but I would have liked to have gone. Honestly, well, pr- I don't buy cookbooks. Pat is a cook. He has the one by the uh, HGTV woman. Um, is it Joanna Gaines? Yes, her. Oh, Joanna Gaines's cookbook. It's pretty good. We've done a couple things from her cookbook. It, I think it's relatively new. Um, but anyway, that's the only cookbook we've relied on. But this Anthony one, I have to get it, right? Every gay has to. Everybody loves what he cooks up on that show. And I'm looking inside of it now via Amazon, and there's lots of hot pictures of him as well. So added bonus. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, does he really cook on the show? Oh, shots fired. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know. I Well, now we'll find out. Is he actually a good cook? <laughs> yeah. I mean, like, the, the stuff he he makes is, like, really... I feel like they're really simple or... I don't discredit what he does for the show. I just, I don't, I don't see his value added as much as like Bobby. Oh my God. I hate Bobby. Who do you actually you like on Queer that... Eye? Because Sean's fired against <laughs> Bobby and also Caravo. <laughs> I hate those two. I love Anthony. I love Tan. And of course I love Jonathan. Jonathan. Yeah. Those three. <laughs> I mean, I think, but Bobby, Jonathan and Tan actually add value to the people's lives. I mean, Caravo arguably but the other three definitely do. That's fair. I think the fa- I think the simplicity of Anthony's recipes is the point on the show because these people don't know how to cook. I think he's just there for like the thirst trap. Yeah, well, it works. Sometimes <laughs> you can pick up some things like I learned how to properly prepare Brussels sprouts. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Yeah, so, little quick tips. Yeah. But did you agree with his, did you agree with his guac and the sour cream? Um <laughs> yeah, but that's because my my grandma's been doing that forever. Not a lot, okay. not as much as he'll put in, but she will put in a little bit to to keep the color for if especially for having a party because it doesn't right. get brown. So that is actually like it's a good tip. But I would not personally prepare my guac as Anthony does. <laughs> See, I want to try that because I like sour cream, but Pat hates sour cream, so it's probably never going to happen. I think he uses Greek yogurt because it's healthier, but... Yes, and I think I've recommended on the show before, Trader Joe's has their reduced guilt guac, and it's it's based in uh, Greek yogurt, and it's real good. Maybe he's he's banking on that, like, 30-minute, one-hour meals. That is... Yeah. Because I cook every night. I cook dinner every night um, for whoever ends up at my house. So I definitely appreciate the value of something that I can do in an hour. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, who has time? We get off work. We immediately have to record Millennial. Yeah. And then like on Mondays, for example, I'll work after this for Hypable. So anything I can do that's quick on Mondays at the beginning of the week, I'll do it. Yeah. Yeah. If anybody has any cookbook recommendations, send them in. I'm seeing a grilled cheese cookbook on Amazon right now. Might have to to get that too. Andrew, don't buy these things because we need something to get you for Secret Santa later this year. <laughs> That's a good point, Laura. <laughs> I was actually going to say, Pam, can you send me that salsa this year? Last year, you sent me those wedding cookies. 
Yeah, you know, my plan was to fatten you up. I, you know, honestly, if I could figure out a way to to make it keep, I will send whoever my um, Secret Santa <laughs> recipient is some salsa. <laughs> All right, I'm gonna hold you to that now. By the way, well, it that, might not be you. Laura might benefit. Send it to both of us. <laughs> I'll send you both cookies. AKA Pat will send us cookies. <laughs> <laughs> yes, basically. Well, moving on, obviously, I could not use this as a recommendation during our segment because it would be cheating, but I really do recommend our next sponsor, (laughs) FabFitFun. FabFitFun is a seasonal subscription box that provides full-size premium beauty and wellness products, and it's just the perfect way to treat yourself or someone else special in your life. Over the course of the last year, I've definitely come across products I can't live without. It makes me really excited to get my fall box uh, for that human plus kind body souffle. I've heard great things about that. Pam, what are you most looking forward to about the fall box? Well, you're going to be hydrating your skin. I'm looking forward to hydrating my hair coming off of summer. So I'm really excited for the Avita Damage Remedy Daily Hair Repair Cream. And um, I also like that it has added heat protecting because I like to blow dry my hair after I wash it. So, yeah, I have used that before, actually. And it is like 10 out of 10 would use again. So also really looking forward to that. And it's something to think about while you're getting cozy for fall. Um Do not forget to sign up for the 2019 Fall Box. What's really great about this is that you're not just getting the box of awesome luxury products. You're getting access to the FabFitFun community forum and FabFitFun TV. This box also has some other exciting items in store, like the Avita Damage Remedy Daily Hair Repair Cream and the Aromatherapy Associates Deep Relax Roller Ball. The cool thing is that many of the individual items in the box have retail values higher than the entire cost of the box itself, which is $49.99. FabFitFun is a seasonal subscription box with full-size beauty, fitness, fashion, and lifestyle products. It retails for $49.99, but always has a value of over $200. Use coupon code MILL for $10 off your first box at FabFitFun.com. That's FabFitFun.com and enter coupon code MILL for $10 off your first box. FabFitFun is a great way to treat yourself and support Millennial. So don't wait. These fall boxes always sell out. Get yours today at FabFitFun.com by entering coupon code M-I-L-L. It's time for recommendations. And Jonathan, how about you go first? So I'm one of those people that are really obsessed with the royal family. Oh. They're just interesting to me. So there's an account on Instagram called um, by Gary Janetti. His um, handle is at Gary Janetti. And he's I think he's dating or he's married to Brad Goreski who was on the Rachel Zoe project. But anyway, his Instagram basically takes pictures of the royal family kids. So uh, Prince George and Charlotte. And and he makes like sassy comments that are just really funny. She need a good laugh. I recommend checking with your car insurance company for discount courses. So I recently had my old insurance company reach out to try and poach me after they raised my rates severely three years ago. Um, Now they're trying to win me back. And my current insurance company, Geico, not only when I reached out to them and told them what was happening, they dropped my rate by like $300 just on the spot. And also they directed me towards a defensive driving course they have that you can take online. It costs $12, but then once you take it and pass it, you get an $80 discount on your insurance. 
So totally worth the $12. Highly recommend checking with your insurance company to make sure that you are getting all the discounts you can benefit from. I wanted to recommend the Netflix series, The Dark Crystal Age of Resistance, which is, of course, um, set in the same world as the original 80s film, The Dark Crystal. You actually don't have to have watched the movie to watch the series because it's a prequel. So you could definitely get away with just diving headfirst into the show. Um, this is a movie that I have recollections of as a kid, like the the idea of the Dark Crystal, but because it scared the crap out of me. So I was really excited to kind of revisit this world as an adult. And my favorite thing about this is that it's just like visually beautiful. So on top of being a good story, it's, it's this feast for the eyes. And I just really love that they actually used real puppets created by the Jim Henson Creature Shop. And it's mm. it's such a nice break from all the CGI we get, you know, in terms of characters and stuff like that. So highly recommend that, especially if you're into fantasy television. My recommendation is a certain brand of backpack. This is the eBag Professional Slim Laptop Backpack. And the reason that I love this thing is because there are so many pockets. I love being organized and I love carrying a lot on the go. One of those people that can't just leave things behind. I need to have it all, but I don't don't want it to be a mess. This thing has so many pockets. It's got a great place for over-ear headphones if you have them. If you're a podcaster, it's got a great little shelf that you can put a microphone on. If you're not a podcaster, it's great for a camera. Um, I just love the versatility of this thing. And it also, as the title suggests, is slim. Um, it's very comfortable. It's also kind of stylish. So. If you're ever looking for a backpack that can carry a lot of shit, the e-bags, they're available on Amazon. And I see a lot of people out and about using these as well. And that makes me feel like I've made a good choice because they've evidently become really popular. Coming up in After Dark today, I think I screwed up this week, y'all. You know how we all make mistakes in life? Yeah, every day. Oh, every day. Oh, God, I haven't made a mistake in a year. So, okay, this makes me feel better. <laughs> I, I feel like I screwed up. And it's just one of those things I have to put behind the paywall because I don't want people listening. Oh, dear. <laughs> except, except you guys. It's entertainment related. <laughs> I think Pam's going to have something to say about this in particular. Oh, no. So, <laughs> <laughs> she says with a smile. Oh, no. <laughs> Some hot gossip. Hold it on. Let me go get more tea. Like, I'm probably just going to laugh through the pain if it's something that I'm going to be really upset about. So, uh, no, I don't think it'll upset you. It, it will entertain you. That's I sure. do have to say, sometimes I find it really satisfying to hear about when successful people fuck up because then I'm like, oh, oh, yeah. You know, that makes me feel better about myself. Yeah. I say this all the time. It feels good to be not alone. Awesome. I can't wait to hear how you fucked up. <laughs> Honestly, me too. <laughs> that, <laughs> so that'll be available at patreon.com slash millennial today. It'll be a part of Mega Millennial, which is the main show ad free with After Dark attached to the end. So you just hit play and you're in for two hours of millennial goodness. Speaking of Patreon, thanks, Jonathan, for joining us today. Hope you had a good time. Yeah, I did. Thank you for having me. Yeah, thank you for joining us. And thanks for being a longtime supporter. We really, really appreciate that. Your letter will be going out to you soon. We actually finished our Bay letters uh, just within the uh, over the past few days, mm -hmm. actually. So, My hand still uh, hurts. It's, 
Yeah. <laughs> but worth it. Y'all are worth it. So we're excited to get these letters out to you. All we have to do now is send the letters to each other so that we can each sign them and then they'll be going in the mail. I will cry if these letters get lost <laughs> while we're while we're sending them to each other to get Should signed. Should we take pictures of the letters? <laughs> Just in case. I was thinking that as I was going through them, like, what if they get lost or damaged? At least I'll have the record of what I wrote so I can rewrite it. I was thinking as I was packaging up my letters that, you know, Millennial is secret single-handedly saving the post office industry and making sure the handwritten letter never dies. So there we go. <laughs> if uh, we lose like 40 of those letters and they were the ones written by me, I'll just redo them, but they're just going to have a big sad face on them. <laughs> Love, Andrew. Thank you, everybody, for listening. I'm Andrew. I'm Laura. I'm Pamela. And I'm Jonathan. See ya. In Tennessee.